This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Podcast. As always, we are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky. I am joined, as always, by Nicholas J. Horwat. We are inching ever so closer to the beginning of the 2020-21 NHL season. But, of course, we are very close to the 2020 Christmas holiday. Horwat, how are you? Merry Christmas Eve to you, as that is when this is coming out. How's it going, buddy? Going much better than it did last time we recorded. My allergies are gone. My allergies come for like a day. They kill me, and it's always on a Sunday when we record, mm-hmm. and then they go away. It's like my body knows when we're about to be in front of a microphone, but I feel much better today. Uh, the Benadryl helped. I got everything else I needed from Target. I'm there good now. Go. I went back in on Monday before the Steelers game, so there was nobody there, and then the Steeler game happened, and I wish I didn't uh, know what happened. I didn't watch it, but... Mm-hmm. I kept up with it, and that's something we can discuss later. Cause I oh yeah yeah, and yeah, it's the holiday season. It's uh, it's a great time here. The snow is melting here, but now now everything's a mud pit. But tis the season to be merry. To quote the best Christmas movie of all time. I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later as well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, as far as snow goes, we saw snow down here, but it didn't lay anywhere. So. A little bit of a different Christmas vibe for me. Definitely not one that I'm used to with no snow as of right now and probably not much snow for the rest of the season. But I digress on that point. The point we're getting to in this episode, with the Christmas episode this year, we are going to talk about the Penguins Christmas videos. We are going to mention probably the Pittsburgh Steelers in our shout-outs and call-out segment. But we're definitely going to talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins' new division as the divisions were realigned at least the division as it is now, which is one that we expect to stay the same, but there's still some variables that could kick in and switch a couple things up. But we'll talk about the new East division in the NHL, and we'll talk about that starting right now, of course, with the Penguins getting their 2020-21 season underway on January 13th. It will be in a new or pseudo-new division as it is now coined the East division in the NHL, which contains the Boston Bruins, the Buffalo Sabres, the New Jersey Devils, both the New York Islanders and the New York Rangers, the Philadelphia Flyers, the Washington Capitals, and of course, the Pittsburgh Penguins. So what we're going to do here is we're going to break down the division team by team. We've talked a lot about the Pittsburgh Penguins since the season ended, so we're going to take a little break on the Penguins as of right now and talk about these other teams in their division, maybe in accordance to how they match up with the Penguins, but we're going to go team by team here. Horwat, I'll let you do the honors. Which team would you like to start with? here in episode seven of season two let's get buffalo out of the way now because uh that's gonna be the least worrisome i think yes taylor hall is there yes jack eichel is there but who else is i mean it's not much of a team per se it's who's in goal for them is it still carter hutton i believe they're still rolling with carter hutton because he faced an injury last season so i think that's who they're going with you say Buffalo's the least to worry about who else would be? I mean, New Jersey is there, but that's my least, pick. At least they got a little bit of skill. I mean, yeah, yeah. Okay, Buffalo has Eichel and Hall, but I mean, does Hall last the whole season? Mm-hmm. And does 
the team fall off of a cliff after Eichel's legs give out, basically. I mean, New Jersey, it's got at least got something that can be steadily mediocre through the whole season. Mm-hmm. I mean, the 56-game season might help Buffalo in that, in that case because they do start hot sometimes, but I just don't see it lasting. Plus, really, is Hall going to last the whole season? That's the big question there, I think. Yeah, him signing that one-year, $8 million contract definitely raises questions as to his commitment to the Buffalo Sabres or if this was just hey, I'm going to go to the Sabres, we're going to do some crazy stuff, and I'm going to get myself a great contract next year. Nobody knows what his take is on that. And for the Buffalo Sabres, you're right. Taylor Hall, Jack Eichel, those are the two stars there. Those are As they go is where the team is going to go. And that is the big question is, do they have chemistry starting out the season? And they are going to need to because Buffalo is going to need to continue to have hot starts like they've had the previous two seasons. Carter Hutton, let's not forget, in the first month of last season, Carter Hutton was leading Vezina talks. Now, yes, it was the first month of the season, but he had the best first month out of anybody in the NHL. If he does that this year, that's over a third of the season, basically. So for Carter Hutton and the Buffalo Sabres to get off to a hot start is going to be putting them in a good position in this division, which we were talking a little bit off the jump here about which team is the least worrisome. I said the Devils, you're saying the Sabres, but the problem is, both of these teams are worrisome. Both yeah. of these teams are not pushovers. And the thing is, with this division alignment, the Penguins don't have Carolina, which is a good team. They don't have Columbus, which is a good team. But also, this division realignment has them not having Ottawa at all. They're not going to touch Detroit at all. They're not going to touch Florida, who could be good. But again, we'll see where they're at. This division is stacked, whether the teams are the top-tier teams or the pseudo bottom tier teams i think the devils and the sabers especially in head-to-head matchups are gonna be good this year and we'll get to the devils here probably next now that we're talking about them a lot but as far as the sabers are concerned we both know that they're a hot start team and they just can't continue to do it through the season you mentioned it perfectly with 56 games is there not a fear that this team will start hot and just luckily there's only 56 games so by the time they're getting ready to cool down they'll still have good enough position to make the playoffs do you think that's going to be able to be enough this year for the Sabres? I mean, who knows? It depends on how long it lasts. And if Carter Hutton really is the goalie he could be, uh, Carter Hutton's such an enigma, it's hard to tell. I mean, yeah, you start hot, but you can't finish, and neither can the rest of your team. Also, there's no defense on that team. Rasmus yeah, Dahlin, mean, but I mean... Rasmus yeah. Dahlin is going to be very good, but is Rasmus Ristolainen that bad that we don't think of him as a decent defender anymore? Yeah, and it's it's weird because like, you can say that Rasmus Dahlin and guys like him, Kale McCarr and uh, Hughes, the one in Vancouver. Adam Fox and... You think of that, like, yeah, they're defensemen, but are they really defensemen because they're so offensively minded? If that's your only defenseman on your team, you don't have a defense. And I think the thing with Dahlin or, or Dahlin or however you, you pronounce it, excuse me, but I think the thing with him is... He doesn't get the spotlight, mainly because he's better at defense than those other names that you mentioned. Kale McCarr is a lot of high-powered offense, so is Quinn Hughes, but Rasmus Dahlin is kind of the mixture. He's kind of those offensive talents mixed with a stout defensive game, and I think that's something that he's going to show off this year for the Buffalo Sabres. This team, and of course the Devils, who we're going to talk about in a second, are two of the teams that didn't make the 24-team return to play last year. So they have had plenty of time to come in at full strength here for the start of the 2021 season. Now, the question for the Buffalo Sabres, I think, is the big question is, 
and you mentioned it, goaltending. Can Carter Hutton continue to do what he does at the beginning of the seasons the whole way throughout? And the problem with the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Buffalo Sabres is Buffalo played Pittsburgh extremely tough last year. <laughs> Buffalo embarrassed Pittsburgh both on opening night of the season and then towards the end of the season, both on home ice. Now, Pittsburgh did beat Buffalo in Buffalo, but again, the Sabres embarrassed them in Pittsburgh twice. So it's going to be, can Pittsburgh play well against the Sabres, who they're going to see probably eight times this year? Yeah, it's it'll be interesting. I mean, it's behind Carter Hutton, there's Linus Allmark or Dustin Tokarski. So, mm-hmm. you know, their goaltending isn't too much to write home about. But also, I mean, yeah, looking at that at that defense score, it's just Darlene and Ristolainen. I mean, I yeah, I don't think calling Brandon Montour. I don't think he's gonna get it done. That's a weak defense. So. You really are relying heavily on Eichel and Hall to carry it for you. So, And Victor Olofsson, who we should probably mention because... And let's also not forget, Jeff Skinner had a down year last year. Jeff Skinner's not done in this league. Not yet. Eric Stahl is there, so they have names. But it's just a matter of if they can mesh together and be decent. I just don't see it happening, though. At least not this season. If Hall decides to stick around for some reason and signs another contract there and they get maybe one more defenseman maybe a goalie too uh this this is a team that needs changes but um it's possible in the future just not this year yeah the hosts of the straight up sabers podcast on the hockey podcast network we had a little twitter back and forth a couple months ago and they said you know what the buffalo sabers are good in goaltending and i said okay if you say so so we'll have to see if that plays out that correct way and really you're mentioning the big storyline for them is always going to be Taylor Hall right now because mm-hmm. will he stay, won't he stay? I feel like that contract is the only thing that could have stopped the will he stay, won't he stay conversation with Jack Eichel. So it's a big question mark for them. What is the future of the Buffalo Sabres? Right now for this season, it's going to be, can they ha- be carried by Eichel, Hall, Olofsson, and their band of merry men, as you like to talk about the Winnipeg defense. I'll talk about this entire team behind those four. It is their band of merry men. So uh, that, I think that's enough on Buffalo. We've talked a lot about them. I don't see them being a team that's going to vie for a playoff spot, but I think they're a team that can win games similar to the New Jersey Devils. Now, the Devils, they're going in the right direction. New general manager Tom Fitzgerald has put this team on trajectory to be a winning team in a couple of seasons. They have a lot of young talent. They're rebuilding, and they're doing a good job of it. Mackenzie Blackwood, the goaltender, had his first full season as a starter last year and played pretty well. I don't think they're a playoff threat still, and I think because of how good this division is, they're going to be in the basement, probably in last place, but they're going to win games. They're going to be tough to beat, and it's going to be a tough matchup for the Pittsburgh Penguins, as it always is, especially when they go to Prudential Center in New Jersey. So, Horwat, you said that this team is not going to be the bottom dweller. You said Buffalo is. What makes you think that this team isn't going to finish in last place this year? Because P.K. Subban can't get any worse, can he? (laughs) I don't think so. As much as I don't like him, he can't get any worse, can he? Um, That's just one person, at least. And I don't mind their defensive core. I mean, Subban is kind of a sieve anymore. But Will Butcher and Connor Carrick aren't terrible. And... Damon Severson isn't isn't terrible either. It's it's not the strongest defensive core, but it is something to look at, and it can at least make plays on their own. And then their forward depth is getting better as the years go by. I mean, Nikita Gusev can bounce back at any point. 
um, to improve upon what he already did. Uh, you know, Jack Hughes is still young and up and coming up in this league and can still be great. And just it's got names that you realize can have potential to be something. Again, it's not going to be this year, but maybe in the years coming, it's going to be good for them. Their future is bright, and like you mentioned, Mackenzie Blackwood, he had a good, good first season and uh, something to grow on. It's at, right now, Corey Crawford is still listed on their roster, mm-hmm. but also listed as number fifty, which we know is not his number. So. Who knows yeah, what's is. going on with the backup situation there, but um, they're a team that's got some sort of a little bit of depth and enough to be above the worst team in the division. Was Corey Crawford number thirty in Chicago? Oh, is that I forgot about Corey Crawford. I confused him with Corey Schneider. I'm oh, okay, big... yeah, no, Corey Corey Crawford's in New Jersey now. Yeah, he is. I'm and a he, big. He's not going to wear number thirty because Martin Brodeur is number thirty. Crawford was fifty in. Chicago. Yeah. Now so that Crawford's I'm remembering who it even, is, right? and so Crawford is who you were talking about, not Corey Schneider, because Corey Schneider's a free agent. Yeah, that's why I was really okay. confused. Yeah. I... <laughs> not a problem. Corey goaltenders that are <laughs> backing fairly up overrated, Blackwood. backing Ooh. up Mackenzie Blackwood. Yes. Uh, yeah, I get them confused. Um, but yeah, Corey well, Crawford there as a backup should be something, I guess. So they have depth at positions that. Um, you don't realize it's sneaky, but it's not. It's not this year for them. It's going to be a year after or the year after that. Uh, yeah. Give them time; they'll be a playoff team. Yeah, and we'll see if Nico Heischer gets the captaincy this year because that is what is fully expected out of New Jersey. At least that's what host of the Devil State of Mind Neil Villapiano believes. He believes it's going to be Heischer, and Heischer is a good player. Kyle Palmieri, a lot of people forget, he is a consistent 20-30 goal scorer when it's a normal season, and then. You mentioned it. Jack Hughes, after a rookie season, we'll see how his sophomore season is. I feel like he's going to play extremely well. And then that matched with the fact that we're going to have to see if Alexander Holtz, their top 10 draft pick this year, comes and plays for the New Jersey Devils. There's a lot of good young talent on this Devils squad. Like I said, they're building and they're building well. And they're going to be set for the future. That just isn't just right now. And we'll have to see how the Penguins play at Prudential Center, if it is, of course, playing in each other's buildings because the Penguins can struggle against the Devils mightily in Prudential Center and really haven't played all that well in Pittsburgh either. So, again, a bottom team in this division that gives the Penguins fits. This is going to be, you know, this is going to be a tough season for them because of that. All of these teams have had success against Pittsburgh. and Now, consequentially, the Penguins have had success against them, but at the same time, it's very back and forth, not really top-heavy leaning the Penguins' way. Speaking of teams that have had success against the Penguins in recent history, the New York Islanders. This is year three of Barry Trotz. Year one, put them in the playoffs, got them a a win over the Penguins in a sweep. Didn't go any further than that. Year two, great start. One of the best win streaks in recent NHL memory for the New York Islanders. Then they fell off a cliff, got lucked out by the end of the season with the whole COVID stoppage. And the stopping and return to play, they came out, were able to be rested, played Barry Trotz hockey all the way to the Eastern Conference Final. Horwat, do you think the Islanders are a team to be feared in this Eastern Division? This Eastern Division is so stacked. It's so scary. They might not be just because of how good the rest of the division is. It's They're one of the teams that might just miss out uh, because I firmly believe Pittsburgh's going to make the playoffs despite what 
everyone else is already saying. They're counting us out again, Berlansky. <laughs> but that's just where we like them, though. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Give give Malkin and Crosby something to play for. Go ahead, do it. That's it's you're digging your own grave. Anyway, um, the Islanders. I mean, they still got to sign Barzal, so there's stuff going on there. And Boychuk's the one that just had that just forcibly had to retire, mm-hmm. correct? Yes, Boychuk. Okay, so you're losing Boychuk on the back end. That's not good. They also lost Devon Taves, who's probably one of the better underrated defensemen, definitely on that team, maybe in the Eastern Conference. And you look down at the rest of the team, and it's obviously we know the defensive trap scheme they play or whatever kind of game it might be. It's nothing to mess around with, but you know you look at this roster and you don't see guys that are high-scoring players aside from Barzal, who still needs a contract. It's not like he's not going to get one. He'll find one before the season starts. It's just a point of discussion for right now. But everyone else on the roster, you kind of look at and you figure... They're not too high-flying, high-scoring, but it's something that can sneak up on you because of how defensive they play, and they just let J.G. Pajot and Barzal do their thing. Mm-hmm. And as for goaltending, Simeon Varlamov, who can be good, but can also be pretty bad, and they don't have a backup yet, I think, or at least they haven't decided on one. It's, there's none listed on their roster. Um, it'll be interesting. It'll depend. It's such a weird division i think they might be the team that just misses though so that's where i'll leave it for them um it'll just really depend and if they decide to play a little more offensively and maybe pick up a piece at a trade deadline who knows but it's a it's a lula morello very trot style team and there's it's gonna be ugly to watch but it'll be something they might get wins they might get losses obviously every team will do that (laughs) That would be how the sport works, Horwat. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, I understand what you mean. They're a team that could very well go either way. They're, they're right on the edge of, well, they're going to be another gr- good season like they have been under Barry Trotz, or they're going to have a not-so-good season, which is what people have expected for the first two years. Barry Trotz and his system have been able to kind of shift that momentum and kind of kind of beat the odds both seasons where everybody has still doubted them. And here's the thing. I fully expect Matthew Barzell to be signed. I don't think that's going to be an issue whatsoever for the New York Islanders. But here's the problem with them. I'm done doubting the Barry Trotz system and whether or not it can be effective. Because two straight years, it's came back to bite me on the ass. I mean, to be completely honest, it really did two years ago whenever they swept the Pittsburgh Penguins. But it wasn't on the strength of offense. And they've never been a strength of offense team. And yes, Barzell has that offensive ability. You mentioned J.G. Pajot, who does bring a little bit more offensive flair. But he's still a player rooted in his defensive abilities. So the thing with the Islanders to me is they're going to be who they're going to be. They're not going to be a scoring team. That's fine. That is not what I think is going to be their undoing. I think the fact that they're going to play that hard-nosed New York Islander, Barry Trotz style of hockey is going to be their downfall this year because you're playing 56 games in a short amount of time. You're going into a postseason that's going to be after that condensed schedule, three games in four days back-to-backs on a regular basis. That's a tough style to play for a consistent amount of time, and we saw it last year with the Islanders. It's kind of going to be what we're going to see this year. They started off so hot, playing that consistent, hard-nosed, defensive style of hockey, and that got them to be the top team in the Metro Division after two months of play, and then look what happened. If they would have continued on the path they were continuing, they would not have made the actual NHL playoffs last year. 
the stoppage and restart of the season last year is the reason they were able to go on that run. They were able to recharge their batteries and fly out of the gates playing that defensive style of hockey as I spit all over my keyboard there. But that's what they're going to have trouble with this year because they're not going to get that stoppage. They're not going to get that slowdown. It's going to be 100% out of the gate with the schedule, and they're going to come 100% out of the gate because Barry Trotz wouldn't have it any other way. And that's going to be an issue for the Islanders this upcoming season because if you do that, we saw it last year, like I said, they ran out of gas. They're definitely going to run out of gas this year. Yeah, and I think you didn't focus on it, but you did bring you didn't say one little part there that I thought was interesting is that I forgot about the amount of back-to-backs that everyone's going to be playing. When you currently don't have a backup goalie listed on your Don't they have a don't they have a Russian goalie that was on loan that they signed and is supposed to come over? I can't remember his name. I'll look it up real quick, but I'm pretty sure that's it. Sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. I mean, as of right now, at least on their website's roster, they don't have a backup listed. It's just Varlamov sitting there. And even if they do bring someone over from Russia, I mean, you got to have someone who's consistent enough and good enough to perform as a good backup, especially this season. You want almost a 1A, 1B situation this year because you're going to be playing that many backups or that many back-to-backs, but, I mean, if you have someone good enough, like the Penguins will have Casey DeSmith, who is not a 1B, let's be real, he's not, but he's at least a solid a solid 2 guy, which is good enough for now. And that's kind of what you want. You want a solid 2 to a 1B in a, in a season like this. Um, mm-hmm. If the Islanders can pull that off with whoever they're bringing over, if you have the name, then, they're, I, then they should be okay. Yeah, and I was thinking for some reason Yaroslav Askarov, but he was the goalie that was drafted by the Nashville Predators this year. Mm-hmm. Ilya Sorokin is the goaltender I'm thinking of. And no, I don't believe they're going to have an issue with him. I mean, he's going to have to get used to North American ice. But, I mean, you have Simeon Varlamov, who is also a Russian. That's going to help him with the off-ice stuff. I think Ilya Sorokin is supposed to be very good. I've never watched him play. But it's supposed to be sort of like the Igor Shosturkin for the New York Rangers, where he was one of the best goaltenders in the KHL. So I think that is a valid backup, possibly 1A, 1B, once the season rolls along, but I still think the problem is going to be the way that they play up front. And also what's hilarious is on their cap friendly page, they still have Rick DiPietro that is technically still in their buyout section. Ah, they're still paying him. It's like the Bobby Bonilla of the NHL. Honestly, he really is. But no, it, I have heard that name before listed under like an ankle tending talks. So it's a name. It's for sure. Someone who should be able to stop pucks more mm-hmm. than, other goalies so that might be okay for them but i think you got it right uh nail on the head with uh it's depending on how they play up front that you got to play a high flying sort of style this time around not even high flying but you just can't play the barry trot style because it's going to yeah. be too hard to play that at a consistent level and not gas your players out and i'm not saying that trots doesn't know how to run a hockey team because he certainly does but still, the way that he needs them to play the game to be successful with the guys he has, they need to play it 24-7. They can't really take games off, and in this season especially, you can't take games off. But from Long Island slash Brooklyn, I guess is the best way to put it, from there to Manhattan, let's talk about the New York Rangers, a team that I'm very intrigued to see how their season goes this year. Horwat, what are your thoughts on, on the Rangers? Do you think that they're starting to come out of their rebuild and they're ready to be that contender? Or do you still think they're kind of still in that last stage of a rebuild? Uh, I'm just as intrigued as you are. I mean, this is a team that has been, had the number one overall pick this past, this past year. 
and be number two overall the season before. So you know they're going to have uh, good young players who should be a difference in the future. Uh, but And you look up and down the rest of the roster, I mean, Zabinijad's still having his coming out party, it seems. Um, Pavel Bushnevich is a name to really remember because he's going to grow into someone. And even on the back end, I mean, Adam Fox was up for rookie of the year contention for a while. And I think it's a skating group that can really have an effect on their uh, win column. Again, it's going to come down to the goalies who, yes, had great starting off, did great starting off, but you, you just hope it's not two flash-in-the-pan situations because you are running into your season of Alexander Georgiev and Igor Sesterkin as your starting two, which, again, last season, not bad, pretty good. Got you to the postseason, if you will. Um, then you decided to go with Hank, and that may not have bit you in the ass, but it let you down a little bit. So now you're going into the season with these two young goalies, and you really got to hope they are who they say they are. Um, but it's a deep team. It is a deep, impressive roster without even looking at the goaltending. I think they're another team that might just miss, but it's going to be a hard-fought season for them. And give them next season, I think they might be one of the better teams in the league. It, it certainly seems that way, does it not? Especially yep. once they add Alexi Lafreniere. That made it so much faster as far as their rebuild is concerned. And before I jump into to the rest of what I'm thinking about with the Rangers, you you talked a lot about the goaltending situation. Igor Shosturkin, Alexander Yorgiev. And this is a storyline that's going with a lot of teams in this division. Especially, meaning when it comes to goaltending, mm -hmm. the training wheels are off. Yep. Henrik Lundqvist is not there to fall back on if something goes wrong. And yes, he was 37, 38 years old. Yes, he was not the same Henrik Lundqvist that was taking them single-handedly to the Stanley Cup Finals, but he was still very effective. He still had that maturation that these young guys don't quite have yet. That's the story in Pittsburgh. That's the story in Washington and in New York. So there's a lot of goaltending situations where training wheels are off now. It's time to show that you are the guy. And you have to do it really well this season. As we've mentioned several times, it's going to be a tough season for goaltenders because the workload is going to be immense. You're going to have to share it with somebody, and you're going to have to be okay with that. So we'll see how Yorgiev and Shosturkin, who have shared the net so much the past couple of seasons. I mean, Shosturkin only coming up last year, but Yorgiev a little bit longer. They've shared the net for so long. Let's see how they can do bouncing off of each other because that's what the Rangers are going to need this year. I think the Rangers finish on the bubble in this division. I think that they have a chance to push in. They're going to need some stellar performances from the likes of Artemi Panarin, who was a serious contender for MVP last year. And by that, I mean the Hart Trophy, not, not as well as the Ted Lindsay Trophy. But you have him. You have Zibanejad, who last year, I mean, you said it perfectly, is still having his coming out party. This is the longest coming out party for any player in any sport ever because people still don't understand how good Mika Zibanejad actually is. And now you're adding Alexi Lafreniere 
And the same thing that happened to Jack, who's happened to Capo Caco. Not the greatest rookie season. We'll see how he does this year. And you mentioned the defense is also good as well. Some guys you didn't mention, Jacob Truba is still there. Yeah, a lot of people think that he's not fast enough, but he's a big physical presence. And that still means something in the NHL, unless I'm mistaken. And then Tony D'Angelo, who is still there. While you might not agree with his off-the-ice antics, he's still a really good player on the ice. So the Rangers are a team to be feared, honestly, at this point. I still think they're still in the later stages of a rebuild, but they are definitely, we've said the Buffalo Sabres, I'm not sure where that organization is going. The New Jersey Devils, I said that they're they're building towards something and it's going to be good, but the New York Rangers are building towards dominance with the way that their roster is set up. Now the only thing is managing how they do with the money and making sure they keep that team together because it's young, it's dangerous, it's going to be high-flying offense, it's going to be great defense and great goaltending. So this is a team that, this might be their coming out party this year. Last year, it was, oh, this is a surprise. The New York Rangers are actually good again. They got some good young players. No, this year, they're a team to be feared. And if they're not ready by this year, next year, they're going to be a top team in whatever division they're in. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think it's just going to come down to how well their goalies play. I mean, yeah, they're new. But if they play like they did last year, there will be, they will be in on that bubble situation, if not sneaking in. Uh, notice how we just went ran down the entire Rangers roster kind of and didn't mention Chris Kreider who also had a phenomenal year last year so if that whole team can continue that's something to really uh, fear going forward we've gone over Long Island we've gone over Broadway we've gone over the the white north of Buffalo we've also talked about the, the team on the rock in New Jersey of the Garden State that leaves half the division left and of course the Penguins Let's exclude them. So we have less than half the division left to talk about. Let's talk about the Philadelphia Flyers, shall we? Horwat, what are you thinking about the Philadelphia Flyers this season? I'm thinking, I don't know how this team has been very good. I read down really? this roster, and I mean, it's not a lot of names you recognize. It's not a lot of names that jump out to you. And it's, you know, a team that, I think is dying to get rid of James Van Riemsdyk, which if you would have said that two, three years ago, I think anyone would have laughed in your face. I don't know what the hell this team is. I don't know how the hell they're so good. But, I mean, they're a decent team, I guess. Also, this uh, still has Matt Niskanen on their roster. So, um, my roster might be a touch out of date, but I will try and do my best with what I have here. There are names that, again, like, like I said, you don't think of when you think of good Flyers players. You don't think of, like, yeah, Giroux is still there. Voracek is still there, if at the back end of his talent. But I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they made it to the playoffs. I don't know how they made it past. I don't know how they made it as far as they did. Um, it's an interesting, interesting team that, is it all carried by Carter Hart, or is it, more depth than I'm giving him credit for. As far as you mentioning just going with just Carter Hart for this team, and you don't know what this team is, and it seems like it's a couple names, and who else knows? It sounds very similar as to what people say about the Pittsburgh Penguins. People say, oh, okay, you have your stars, and then who are the rest of these guys? And then they end up going far, and it's like, how did they get that far? How did they win a Stanley Cup in the Penguins' sense? How did the Flyers play that well last year? Well, I think it's mainly because... The rosters are constructed very similarly in Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. There's a lot of similarities between these two teams. Of course, 
The young goaltender with high potential, you mentioned Carter Hart, is playing extremely well since taking over there. Hart and Jari. So that's young goaltenders, high potential. Okay. Aging superstars, or stars, I should say. I don't know if I want to say superstars with Giroux <laughs> and Voracek, but Giroux, Voracek in Philly, Crosby and Malkin in Pittsburgh. You have veteran playmakers. You got Hayes and Couturier in Philly. You got Zucker and Rust in Pittsburgh. You have young supporting cast. You have Konechny, Lindblom in Philadelphia. You have Gensel and Kapanen in Pittsburgh. So these teams are very similar. And that's something that people are going to need to notice this year when they go head-to-head is they are very, very similar teams. Both have really good offense. The Flyers have the head up on defense a little bit, but then it's young goaltending in the back that has high potential, still yet to be proven, but still good play from those guys while they've had those positions. So these two teams are very, very similar. The only big difference in what I just ran down is the aging stars in Giroux and Borchek for Philadelphia are nowhere near the talent of Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby. That's where the Penguins have the advantage on the Philadelphia Flyers. And when they play, that is what is going to need to be exploited. You're going to need Malkin. You're going to need Crosby to be that much better than Giroux and Borchek because all things considered, these teams are very, very similar. They're very similarly coached between Elaine Vigneault and Mike Sullivan as well. So I think this Flyers team, I'm not saying last year was a fluke. I'm also not saying this team is a surefire top team. I think it is second tier in this division along with the Pittsburgh Penguins, who I also believe are second tier in this division. But I think those two lead the charge for the second tier. And the last two teams that we haven't talked about and we'll get to, I think that's the first tier of this division right now. And I kind of agree with you. I mean, it's just a weird situation that they're in. One thing I one thing I have to ask is, what is the Nolan Patrick situation exactly? I'm not sure where that situation lies right now. I'm taking it as if he's not playing for them. Once he comes back, we'll have to see how he even is. It, it sucks to see a player so young and so talented deal with something that could honestly be a career debilitating injury and so far it's already disrupted his career so much I have no idea where it's at on that spectrum but even if he comes back that just adds to the young supporting cast of Konechny Lindblom now you're talking about Patrick as well I think Philly and Pittsburgh kind of mirror each other and I think Pittsburgh mirrors another team in this division as well in a separate sense that we'll get to but the Philadelphia Flyers are gonna be a playoff team this year most likely yeah as much as we don't want to see it it's possible um, just hopefully someone tells them how uh, useful Derek Pouliot could be. Oh, if they start playing Derek Pouliot. That that will definitely help the Pittsburgh Penguins case if they start putting Derek Pouliot in, in very important situations. Just just tell them he's a former first-round pick uh, and might have some speed. There you go. Put him in. Uh, replace replace Shane Gossespierre with him whenever you inevitably trade him, finally. <sighs> Uh, I have nothing much to say on the Flyers other than obviously we don't like them. Obviously, we don't like them because they're a great team now. <laughs> and, yeah, they're probably going to be a playoff team. And it's uh, – this is going to be a raucous friggin' season because these last three teams, man, are the teams we do not like, this being one of them. Yeah, and we – I mean, honestly, how much do we like the New York Rangers or New York Islanders either? So there's going to be – it's going to be fun as a fan. Mm-hmm. I, like, that's the best way I can put it. As a fan, you're not going to have a game where it's like, oh, there's some Tuesday night game against the Anaheim Ducks where, yeah, they could be a decent team. They could be an up-and-coming team, but it doesn't matter. There's low stakes. 
Neither team is really into it. These teams, because of how much they're playing each other and because of how much they have played each other, it's going to be so much fun to watch. It's going to be great hockey. It's going to be rough if you're a Penguins fan or a fan of any of these teams because it's going to be back and forth. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's going to be a great season. It's going to be a fun season. Uh, keep an eye on the penalty minutes in this division especially, I feel like, because these are some of the most heated rivalries the league has seen in quite a while. I mean, yeah, you're splitting up Boston and Montreal, but you're giving Boston to everyone else in this division, and they are a pesky friggin' team, which we can discuss right now and leave a certain uh, capital for last. The only reason this team is not going to win the division this year, or at least going to have a difficult time winning the division this year, is because Brad Marchand and David Posternock are going to be out until at least February. That's the only reason this is going to be a close race. I didn't know I didn't know Marchand was going to miss time. I heard uh, Posternock, but Marchand I didn't know. Yeah, they're both supposed to be out at least the first month of the season, which is very important because you're not going to be playing any of those games. And then even when they come back, there's going to be some time for them to get up to game speed. But I still think the Boston Bruins are the best team in this division. I mean, they went to the Stanley Cup Finals two years ago. Last year, they went to the second round and lost to the eventual Stanley Cup champion. They have the most solid goaltending situation in the division with Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak. This is a complete team, and this is a team that gives every other team in this division fits. Boston is the team to beat heading into this year, in my opinion. Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, yeah, it, as much as I don't like their goaltending situation, it definitely makes the most sense in this division specifically. Uh, because Buffalo, we don't know what's going on. New Jersey's got a new guy. Um, the Islanders have one goalie right now. The Rangers are a bunch of new guys. Pittsburgh, again, new-ish guys. And Philly, young kid. So it's they definitely have the best situation as as not as great as it may seem. This might be a high a high scoring division as well, with all of the new goalies and all of the weird situations that there might be. Um, but looking up and down the rest of this roster again, another one that you look at and you wonder how the hell did they do it? They won the President's Trophy last year, mm -hmm. if you would consider that considering it was a shortened season. But still, it's a weird roster that somehow works. It's a obviously it's that great front line that uh, might be missing two players for a month, but they're a team that might be able to make it work even after. I mean, Zdeno Chara hasn't made a decision going forward. Who cares? He's it's not like he's that important to the skill or scoring or uh, I don't even know how else to put it. Like just how, it's not like he's that important to the form of winning on your team he's just a captain and a veteran at this point that uh chews up minutes you know i charlie mcavoy might be growing into be one of the better defensemen on the team but you look at the rest of that defensive core and it's names but it's names that get stuff done apparently i mean they're losing krug yes but after that i mean brendan carlo kevin miller who can these guys really do it without chara though I feel like they can, and I, I know what you said there. Tory Krug is gone. That is a big loss for the Boston Bruins, but I still think this team is the team to beat in this division. I still think this is the best team. You mentioned they won the President's Trophy earlier in this show. I said the New York Islanders benefited so much from the pause and the restart. The Boston Bruins are the team that goes hurt most 
by the pause and the restart because they were on fire. They would have ran away with the President's Trophy, shortened season or not, mm-hmm. and they would have ran right into the playoffs on as one of the hottest, if not the hottest teams in the NHL. And then the pause happens. They come back. They're not the same team. Tuka Rask has to leave the bubble. This team is, is going to be good again this year. This team is going to be the team to beat, and it's going to be close at the top of the division for the sole reason that Marshawn and Posternock are going to be out, but once they return, they're going to be back to being the big bad Bruins, and they're going to be the best team, I think, as of right now, going into this season. And that's quite possible. It's they're they're the team that everyone's going to have their eyes on because a it's Boston, huge market. B they won the President's Trophy. Uh, C they have so much to prove. They've been such a they've been such a good and win and a very winning team. That's a sentence right mm-hmm. uh, they've gotten a ton of wins over the past oh nine seasons that it's somehow they have they have only won a single stanley cup people are expecting more from them people are expecting them to win another at some point soon so it's just gonna be up to them to finally do it i don't think it'll be this year but eventually it's very well possible and this is just the team to beat no matter what division they were going to be in because of a the president's trophy and b just how highly touted some of these players are yeah so boston's going to be be a difficult team to beat i also think washington who will finish off this segment talking about is going to be a difficult team to beat i think washington is in that top tier of teams but they're in the same situation as the pittsburgh penguins where they're an aging contender they are running out of time they're running out of window to get another stanley cup for their Hall of Fame superstar, and they need to do it this season or the next season, or else it's just running down Gretzky's record, and that's all that's left. The Washington Capitals are still a top-tier team. I think they slot in right underneath the Boston Bruins in this division. The goaltending situation is questionable, which is the same as the Pittsburgh Penguins. We'll see what Ilya Samsonov can do, and we'll see who they get to play backup, as you've mentioned several times, the importance of a backup of this season. Their contender position, like I said, is near Pittsburgh. They're going to be a good team this year. They have a new coach. We've talked to the Caps Chirp guys about their new coach. So we'll see how they do under Peter Laviolette and see if they can recapture what they had in 2018 and prove that it was just Todd Reardon that was holding them back the last two years. Or is it just the team? We'll have to see this season. I think they're going to be a lock for the playoffs, as, as is the Boston Bruins. Other than that, I don't see any other locks in this division. Uh, no, I guess not. I mean, I, like you mentioned, it's an aging core. It's, it's a similar situation to us. It's uh, future Hall of Famers that are nearing the end of the road that uh, stuff needs to get done if they really want to cement a better legacy. Um, I think it'll come down to the goaltending situation because the rest of the team is fairly untouched. I mean, they haven't added really anyone on offense and defense they decided to take up justin schultz and trevor van reemsdyke so do with that what you will it's going to be an interesting team and yeah it's going to come down to who's in net really can they stop pucks can they i mean we know they're going to be able to score goals it could be ovechkin and a bunch of ahl players and you know they're going to score goals yeah that's very true yeah it's going to come down to can they stop goals on the other end where I see the Pittsburgh Penguins is between the third and five seats. I think, like I said, Washington and Boston are the top tier. The Penguins, the Flyers, the Rangers, and possibly the Islanders, 
those are the four teams I think are going to battle for that last two spots. The Islanders, a little less. I told you why I think they're going to fall off this year. But those other three teams, the, the Rangers, the Flyers, and the Penguins, they're going to vie for the third and fourth seed in this division. So it's going to be a good division. It's going to be a fun season. I'm very excited for it. And I'm also very excited for hopefully my Wi-Fi to, to stop kicking us off in the <laughs> middle of the recording. Hey, man, it happens. It's it's the 2020 Wi-Fi curse. Everyone's job has been like this. Everyone's podcasts have probably been like this. It's no big deal. We fight through it, just like the Penguins fight through injuries. Um, as we get closer to the season, as rosters begin to get more fleshed out, I'm sure we'll make official predictions on mm-hmm. rankings across the league. We'll see how that goes, at least in the division. I'm sure we will. And for now, I think that's where everyone puts the Penguins as well is in that three to five spot. Yeah. Um, we know they're better than some teams, but we don't know if they're better than others. Uh, but that's why we play the games. That's why everything plays out. Who knows? Maybe Buffalo runs away with something, upsets everyone. I mean, it's about time Jack Eichel actually can carry them to something other than just a great start of the season and then what his ba- his back breaks, the entire team does. Yeah, so we'll see. That's why we play the games, and that's why we are under a month away from the season starting and a little under a week away from training camp opening for seven teams. Yeah, that's all That's all there really is to say at this point, Horwat. So we'll, we'll kick it over to our quick segment break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the Penn's holiday video and then we'll have our shout-outs and call-out segment. We'll be right back. This episode of The Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut-free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Hello, bonjour, hello, hey, hiya, and previet hockey fans. Welcome to the Europuck Podcast. The show where two blokes from Blighty talk about everything to do with European hockey as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. From the Russian KHL to the Swedish Hockey League, the Finnish Liga to the Swiss National League, the British Elite League to the Alps Hockey League, we talk about anything and everything European hockey. Catch our podcast every Friday from August the 28th, however you get your podcasts, and on the Europuck Podcast YouTube channel. The Europuck Podcast, giving you guys European hockey. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. We have a little bit left of our episode here on Christmas Eve, and we do have a little bit of holiday discussion for you guys. Of course, the Pittsburgh Penguins released their yearly holiday video a little bit different this year than it was in past years. Of course, this year, it was a compilation of the past videos set to the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation movie with Iceberg starring 
and Mike Sullivan in a supporting role. Horat, what did you think about the way the Penguins released their holiday video this year? Of course, they were they were hamstrung by the fact that they couldn't really get everybody together for something like this. But I still think it was a great effort, and I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. What did you think about it? I think it worked very well because we know you couldn't get everyone together, and um, it was the best thing they could do. I appreciated that they didn't cut out players that are not on the team anymore or are playing for other teams. They kept the videos as is. Like, seeing Paul Martin and Zach Sill in the same frame, I bet no Penguin fan ever thought they would see that again. <laughs> but, um, yeah, there was no better way of doing it. And if you're going to get any, I guess, figure to be in the video in some way, it would have to be Sullivan, Iceberg, or Crosby. There's no – you can't really try and get – everyone else in it you're not gonna ask everyone else to do something from home who knows maybe they wanted to do like a, a little home christmas card type deal where they just all kind of did a quick one minute clip i don't know i don't know the details of what they could have done but uh for what how for how hamstrung they were this is probably the best thing they could have done and it worked it was good and uh got everyone to watch all of the videos again did, did anyone else do that I definitely went back and watched all of them. And with that in mind, before we get to, to my next question, if you had those three, Mike Sullivan, Sidney Crosby, and Iceberg, when I'm going for something hockey, yeah, probably Sullivan or Sidney Crosby. But when I'm going with acting, I'm going with the established actor, the guy that has great credits to his resume, and that's Iceberg. Noted big screen actor. I would definitely trust him with the role. Does he have an IMDb page? Uh, I'm not sure if he has an IMDb page. While you're looking that up, the next question I did have was, what is your favorite Pittsburgh Penguins holiday special? Which is your favorite? I mean, to me, it's when they did The Santa Claus. Not only because The Santa Claus is my favorite Christmas movie. I absolutely love that Christmas movie. One of my favorites. But Sidney Crosby as, quote-unquote, Scott Calvin with, oh, it has your same initials. That was that worked out perfectly. Then having Jake Gensel play Charlie was is amazing. Jake Gensel's Charlie to Sidney Crosby's Scott Calvin is one of the best duos in any of those videos. And then, of course, Evgeny Malkin as Fat Scott Calvin in the doctor's office. <laughs> Just shaking the stomach, the, the fake, clearly prosthetic stomach. Clear, that one was my favorite. They're all really entertaining. And I loved them. Elf, I think, was another one of my favorite ones seeing Sidney Crosby wailing those snowballs but my favorite was the santa claus world what was yours i think i gotta go with the uh christmas vacation one it was the first one and usually the first one's always the best one you can't top it uh i said before it's the best christmas movie of all time so there's that part to it it's it also because it's older it's from 2014 mm -hmm. man looking back at that team now like I mentioned before, Zach Sill, Paul Martin, Craig Adams is in there. Brandon Sutter. Brandon Sutter. Oh, it's, I think, oh, Robert uh, Bortuzzo and Bo Bennett. It's incredible. I mean, Bo Bennett was in the Home Alone one as the as the pizza boy, and that is grade A casting, if I do say <laughs> so myself. Um, it's, I just think the Christmas Vacation one's perfect, and I mean, it's a damn shame they wouldn't let Crosby say, holy shit, where's the Tylenol? <laughs> but having Crosby say, where's the Tylenol, just sums up Pittsburgh Penguins hockey recently. Yeah, especially in 2014, whenever he was probably still dealing with residual headaches from his concussion issues. So 
I mean, they're all great, so if you haven't gone back, if you haven't seen any of them, you definitely need to watch them. But if you have seen them, we suggest going back. Maybe a little Christmas treat for you guys if you go back and watch those on Christmas Day. But we definitely enjoyed it. And let's go into our shout-outs and call-outs. I don't know if that has anything to do with your shout-outs and or call-outs, Horwath, no. but let's start off with shout-outs as we were kind of already together shouting out the Pittsburgh Penguins for their holiday video. What is your shout-out this week? Oh, I'm going to the PNC Championship. Did you watch those clips of more than just Charlie and Tiger Woods? More than just those two. I mean, seeing the father-son duos on the golf course was amazing. Oh, uh, It was a great event. And luckily, with Peacock, I got to watch it for free So and didn't have to stream it or anything. It was a really fun weekend. Not only for that event, but on social media, it was a very fun weekend. Amazing. I mean, we'll discuss charlie and tiger woods in a minute but i mean more than that i mean justin and mike thomas mike thomas justin's father might be better than him <laughs> he might be better who knows but i mean i think uh, i think it was kuchar that brought his two kids and like there was all these swing simulations of you know all of the like the father and sons in step watching three people do it is way more impressive than seeing two and I mean, yeah, John Daly is a unit, but his son is another form of unit. <laughs> uh, but then there was Charlie and Tiger Woods who stole the damn show. I mean, an 11-year-old is a better golfer than me and you combined. Without um, a doubt. Yeah, and watching those two in step the entire two-day uh, tournament was amazing. Plus, that kid, that kid really did steal the show, though. Like, there's no doubt about it. Oh yeah, the winner of that entire weekend was Mini Tiger Woods. Like, yeah, that that was the whole thing. The entire weekend, literally everybody on Twitter, no matter what else was happening, that was predominantly what Twitter was. And honestly, this is what the PGA and the entire golf world needs to start doing: fun stuff like this that captures everybody's attention. Golf is not a dying sport when it comes to playing it, but golf is a dying sport when it comes to watching it. So doing stuff like this and doing stuff like the match. That is what is getting eyes on the game. Yeah. And and watching Charlie just the fist bump, the the walking it, the putt it. I was just in awe the entire time watching his highlights because it's his father. It is Tiger Woods, just mini version. He's got to got to like get a little more control on the swing. He looked a little off balance on the follow through, but he's still putting it on the fairway more than I could and just maybe 12 13 14 15 major championships in his career we can really only hope that he has that kind of a career because his father's career was definitely something to behold and his already off to a good start with the pnc management open so i mean 13 to 14 that's very ambitious let's let's go 17 to 18 let's say he breaks his dad's record for masters championships right absolutely and i mean is this the first year the PNC Championship has been a thing? I've never heard of it before. I've never heard of father-son golf. I've never heard of Tiger Woods' son being this good at golf or being a mini-me. So this is definitely something that was new to at least me. I'm not sure if it was new to the world or not. I mean, let's not act surprised that his son is very good at golf. I mean, it is yeah. Tiger Woods. But it's impressive that he's 11 and doing this. And it's fun to finally see it on a national scale, if you will. And... Mm hope there's more of these pnc championships in the future if this was the first one uh, i'd love to see what i and i want to see like players invite their fathers who aren't good at golf i don't know why 
because I mean that's what the celebrity pro am is all about. Yeah, they get good golfers from there, but there's not they're not supposed to be that great. Mm-hmm. I mean they had Charles Barkley on it a couple times, so uh, let's get some fathers on there who just like straight up aren't good and have some real fun with it. I mean, that, isn't that why American Idol was so popular to begin with? Is people wanted to see other people crash and burn? Like, Wipeout is a show. America's Funniest Home Videos is a show. Let's get some bad golfers out there to to appease us scrubs who can't really play golf so we can see somebody like us out there on the course. And when I say bad golfers, I mean bad golfers with a good that are good-natured about it, not the ones yeah. that are going to be – yeah, the ones that, are, that know they're bad and are just there to have a good time. Yeah. Well, I, it might have been – I think the PNC management might have been a thing where it was just people and their fathers. I'm not sure if sons or maybe it's just the fact that it's Tiger Woods and his son. And anytime Tiger Woods is in a tournament, it elevates the level of it. Anytime his son is now in it, it will elevate the level of it. So it was definitely a fun weekend. It was definitely worthy of a shout-out as well, Horwat. My shout-out this week. Question, do you watch The Mandalorian on Disney Plus? No, I don't. Okay, well, then you're not going to worry about the, the spoilers that I'm going to say. And, yes, this is an s- official spoiler alert. My shout-out goes to John Favreau and the writers of The Mandalorian for that marvelous entire second half of the second season. Yes, the whole show has been great so far, but the second half of the second season, they went off. Absolutely crazy season finale. Realistically, the entire from season five to season eight of the second season were all great Spoiler alert here, the return of Luke Skywalker into the Star Wars universe was such an interesting decision. I'm not sure if I'm excited about it or if I'm not sure if I'm pissed off about it. And the reason is the scene itself was very cool. It was cool to actually see Luke Skywalker as a full Jedi, what he does at the height of his powers. Not sure how I felt about it because you're bringing in an established character with a completed story arc in the main movies to save characters that you're trying to build. It feels a little bit like a cop-out. It feels a little bit like a cheap plug. feels like a cheap, you know, cheer to get for. But it was cool. I'm not exactly ecstatic about where The Mandalorian left itself off with, but I could get it. I'm still excited to see where it's going to go. My shout-out goes to them because no matter what, it was a great season. It was a very entertaining season. And there's a reason that this show has already sprung in two short seasons three or four spinoffs on Disney plus. Oh yeah. Uh, was it Mark Hamill? It was CGI young Mark Hamill. That's what, okay. That's, that's interesting. Uh, I mean, I guess when you're Disney and a star Wars franchise, you have that kind of money and ability. Um, yeah. John Favreau is a phenomenal producer and actor. I know he does a lot of your superhero movies. Um, but he also did Chef, which I am yet to see, and he's gotten very into food. I watched his Netflix show, The Chef Show, mm-hmm. uh, which was also very interesting. And so I like him for expanding out more than just producing. I mean, he had a small role in Friends for a little bit. He's been around for a lot longer than people give him credit for. And, uh, yeah, I can agree with the John Favreau shout-out, and I appreciate that they had CGI'd Mark Hamill. Yeah, and even Mark Hamill said that this is something that crazy. They did this so long ago, and they could keep this spoiler-free. Like, nobody had any leaks about this whatsoever, which is crazy, especially considering, one, it's Disney. There's very hard-pressed to keep leaks out of Disney. Two, it's Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker in a Star Wars show. So that's already hard enough. So I props to them for keeping it a secret. Props to them for a fantastic season. And... Also, props to them for letting Grogu go with Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Who is Baby Yoda. I, I don't know if you knew that, Horwat. 
I he's not Baby Yoda. He's like a fifty-seven-year-old. Well, creature. that's what everybody called him, Baby Yoda. His name is Grogu. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Maybe I should watch it at some point. I don't know. I'm not good at finishing shows, so. It's only eight episodes, two seasons as of right now. So the time to get in is now. I guess so. Yeah, um, and, and you have till next December till another one. Okay. So we'll see. Um. Yeah, we'll see. We're we gonna do callouts now. Because yeah. Oh yeah, we'll go into callouts. Horowat, go ahead and uh, start us off with callouts. Do I do it? Do do I call out Juju again? Or not Ooh. again? Do I do it? See, it's there's some weird. I'm gonna do it because it's not the fact that he danced on the logo again it's the fact that he made it a big deal yeah it's the fact that he said you're not stopping me i'm gonna do it anyway and then before doing it made another video made, did that instagram live where he said i'm gonna go do it chill now you're taking it too far now you're making it a point to do it it's one thing if you just do it because you can at least make the argument of i'm just going to midfield you know the center of the stadium and it just so happens there's a logo there i could let that slide because it's not like it's the locker room logo. I mean, you play the game on top of that logo. Yeah, it's a little disrespectful to dance on it pregame and whatever. But at the same time, he made it a point to go out there this time. Not only danced on it, spiked a couple footballs on it. Not a good look when you then immediately get blown up by someone ironically named Von Bell. <laughs> Watching a Steelers-Bengals game is weird because they have Tony Brown and Von Bell. So it's not fun. There's And plus, he's got to know the history between these two teams. There is some weird voodoo bullshit happening mm -hmm. between these two teams. We've seen the He was Bengals. part of the history of these two teams. Yeah. We've seen the Bengals disrespect the terrible towel on multiple occasions. It has blown up in their face. It's only appropriate that Juju did this. It's also only appropriate that his name is Juju because there's some bad Juju out in this uh rivalry so yeah i'm gonna call him out for not for doing it but for making a point to do it and to just make it worse for himself mm -hmm. i said last week if you want to do it go for it do you do you just do it right maybe he should have taken that week off because it was the Bengals, and i don't some... know because you lost two games in a row that too i mean it's not a good look anymore man it's not We've lost two in a row at that point. Now they've lost three in a row. I don't care. I get it's a game. I get this isn't your entire life. But start acting a little bit more professional when you're there. Separate work from home. I honestly don't care about this Juju thing. The fact that everybody's making it a big deal. Yeah, he can make it a big deal all he wants. As soon as this game starts, I don't give a shit. Be a football yeah. player. Do your job. That's prior to the game. I don't care. That's fine. It's, it's not a good look. I really don't care. Go out there and win the game. But now that they've lost three games, and by the way, let's just roll this out. My call out is the Pittsburgh Steelers, not just Juju, the yep. entire team. You've lost to the Washington football team, the Buffalo Bills, and the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, Washington has a good defense. They shocked you. You were on a short week. They're still a decent football team. Okay, the Buffalo Bills are a great football team, yeah. but you looked absolutely horrendous against them. And then you lost to the Bengals. They're such an awful team. They're 3-10-1 now, and you're one of the three teams they beat. But here's the thing. They haven't won a game since Joe Burrow went out with an injury because he is a good player. This Finley guy, he's an okay quarterback. He's a decent backup quarterback. But your defense was hung out to dry by the fact that your offense couldn't do jack squat in the first half. You've now dropped to the third seed in the AFC. They've 
physically are throwing away a division championship at this point and a playoff home game. I really don't care about the division championship. That's fine. That's a feather in the cap for Ben and, and Mike Tomlin, whatever. You want to win a Super Bowl? You need better seeding. You don't need to run up against the Kansas City Chiefs in the second round of the freaking playoffs. Again, you lost to the Bengals. That is awful. They had won 11 straight games against the Cincinnati Bengals, and that includes when you had Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph at quarterback. Yet you go out and lose to this team, and it is not on the defense. It is not on the defense because 17 of those 27 points were straight off of a turnover where they only had 30 yards of field to defend. It is on the offense. It is on Ben Roethlisberger, who decided to not show up until after the halftime. And it is about this entire team and the way they have looked at these last three games. They need to look at these last two and go out and play as they played in the second half of this week because there are good news to take from this week, even though they did lose to one of the worst teams in the NFL and that has been one of the worst teams in the NFL for two straight seasons. The good news for the Pittsburgh Steelers is the fact that they played very well in the second half. They already clinched a playoff spot, which they've shown they could win a Super Bowl from the lowest seed in the AFC before. If you don't remember, go back and check Super Bowl 40. And the fact that they can prove that they're turning a corner in these final two games. They played well in the second half against the Bengals. They can prove that that is going to continue against the Indianapolis Colts and the Cleveland Browns and go into the playoffs hotter than they are right now. Because right now, they are on a cold streak. They need to heat up before the playoffs start. And that's what they need to do these last two weeks. But because of poor internet service, that is where we're going to end this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. We wish everybody out there a happy holidays and a Merry Christmas. We will see you guys next week. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcast from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.